0: Here it is from deep inside your audio device of choice. Uh, they're now saying a fourth wave, and uh, we're supposed to be surprised after seeing footage of Spring Break. All right, then I'm not. I'm not burning my masks yet. Tell you that. Of course, the fumes would kill you, ladies and gentlemen. The whole truth and falsehood thing—we're we're, so—we're tangled up in blue about all that, uh, even even in trivial ways. And today, being uh, Easter Sunday for the Easter believing people, and Happy Passover to the Passover believing people. Anyway, today being Easter, uh, I'm reminded of a certain ironic set of facts. Uh, one, um, when I was a child, I was a uh, participant in show business on the child level, and I was on a fairly regular uh, performer. Well, I was a regular performer, but I was f- f- appeared fairly regularly on a particular comedy show. And uh, one of their running things was that uh, the star would encounter members of the uh, cast every year about this time at the Los Angeles Easter Parade down Wilshire Boulevard. And I'm sure people who were fans of that show were absolutely convinced that Los Angeles had an Easter Parade down Wilshire Boulevard. Now, we, you know, everybody knew about Fifth Avenue in New York, on the avenue, Fifth Avenue in New York. But this show popularized the notion that there was an Easter parade, ladies in bonnets and hats and things and guys just shooting the crap, um, along Wilshire Boulevard, which is a very long boulevard, by the way. You could have one hell of a parade, except they didn't. They never did. It never happened, ever, ever, ever. To this day, I believe it doesn't happen. It was just a, you know, a thing. On the other hand, here in new orleans whence this program originates there are um, i believe at least 3 but we're a parade in the city that's the thing and uh, one of them the one that i'm most familiar with i think i was a a momentary witness of it a couple of years ago last time it happened i don't think there i don't know if it's happening today i haven't I haven't checked my parade schedule but it's a, a parade with with floats and uh, ladies in hats and the uh, leader of the parade is a uh, veteran New Orleans female entertainer. And I I use the word, the, the adjective, sort of in the same way that I would describe the Mississippi as a veteran river. But, you know, nobody knows about that until now. Now, the... Um, Weekend yak shows seemed to have gotten the message that there had been more than enough analysis of the first week of the Derek Chauvin murder trial. So they kind of skipped the subject because it didn't happen in Washington, mainly. Um, But I was once a generation I get into a a trial. I have to say that that's just that's just me. Um, I was deeply engrossed in the original O.J. Simpson criminal trial. uh, I went down there to see it once. Otherwise, I partook of the television version. And then when uh, that verdict came out, and I admit to have been as shocked as anybody, there was a second trial, a a different kind of trial. It was a civil trial. The uh, parents of Ron Goldman sued O.J. Simpson for wrongful death. And that wasn't on TV, and so I thought it was actually in my neighborhood when I lived in Santa Monica, and so I thought, I'm going to go there, and I got a press pass and covered the trial, and you can read all about it in the archives of Slate.com, but now, and by the way, seeing both trials, I concluded that both juries were right, and I'll, I'll explain that when next we meet, but... um. Now I am engrossed in the Derek Chauvin, Chauvin trial, and what particularly got my—I mean, there was a lot of attention getting testimony this week, but what stuck in my craw, I guess, was the sort of the first hint at one of the tentacles of the defense strategy, which is to say, well, he was he. Officer Chauvin was on the street with uh, his knee on George Floyd's neck. And this crowd developed around the scene. And uh, they were calling out to him to stop. And we saw tape this week of one of the crowd members saying, take his pulse. And another was saying, he's not breathing. He's not moving. Stop. And the defense contention uh, elicited through questioning so far of prosecution witnesses, was suggesting that these people were distracting the police officer to the extent that he couldn't do what his duties required, which was to stop putting his knee on the neck and uh, take the try to find a pulse on uh, George Floyd and, if necessary, um, bring to bear his own personal abilities, limited as a police officer's, are to... Um, tend to his medical needs while waiting for the paramedics. Couldn't do that because the crowd, you know, it was his crowd. They were distracting, maybe even threatening. So the the point is, his behavior drew the crowd. The crowd was protesting his behavior. Their protests of his behavior forced him to continue his behavior, rather than to do what he knew was his duty. So, um, Word to the wise from the defense team, when you see a police officer not doing what he should, congratulate him, encourage him, and he'll stop right away. Hello, welcome to the show. and lights. From New Orleans, Louisiana, two shots, done, done and dusted. I'm Harry Shearer. Welcome you to this edition of the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen,
1: he's not a general. He commands no troops. He's not an inspector. He peeks at no stoops. He's an inspector
0: general. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Two shots to the wind, you might say. Ladies and gentlemen, any hope? For a political settlement and peaceful end to two decades of war in Afghanistan remain under significant threat from rising violence, both at the hands of the Taliban and from multiple terrorist and extremist organizations, as well as from the Afghan government's inability to sustain itself. That's according to a new U.S. watchdog report. Not an actual dog. Just have to make that clear to uh, late tuner-inners. And I'm sure there still are. Somewhere the assessment part of the special inspector general for Afghanistan reconstructions high risk list. And it comes as the United States has ramped up pressure on the Afghan government to make a deal with the Taliban, as you know, despite the increased diplomatic pressure and looming deadlines. The Segar report warns that a lasting peace in Afghanistan may be no closer to reality now than it was years ago, saying the path forward, quote, has never been more fraught with risk, unquote. That's what happens when you get into these things. It was uh, the Powell Doctrine that said, know how you're going to get out before you get in. Quote, if the goal of our reconstruction efforts was to build a strong, viable, self-reliant Afghan state that could pre- protect our national security interests as well as Afghanistan's, it is a mission yet to be accomplished, and may not may turn out to be a bridge too far, said the Special Inspector General, John Sopko. We've got a lot of questions we've got to answer and decisions to make. In 50-plus days, that's the U.S. withdrawal deadline he's referring to, the overriding obstacle to a peaceful resolution in Afghanistan remains the violence. Since signing the deal, the Taliban have not significantly changed their tactics. Yes, the one problem with ending the war is the violence. <laughs> that that seems a safe one. The Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration, on the other hand, has previously reported that the IRS does not consider the taxpayer's income or wealth when prioritizing delinquent accounts. That is to say, whom to uh, audit and maybe throw an enforcement against. They focus instead on the dollar amount of the balance due. This creates a higher risk that taxpayers with high incomes are not paying their tax debts, even though they have the ability to pay. With the IRS collection function's limited staffing of experienced revenue officers, it's important, says the Inspector General, to determine if the IRS is effectively addressing non-payment by by high-income taxpayers. Well, that's a duh. That's a little duh, isn't it? Yet, yeah, it, it, it it justified a report. Intentional non-payment of income tax by those with significant financial resources and sophistication is a blatant form of non-compliance. Can have a significant corrosive effect, says the IG, on overall tax administration, as well as add to the belief that the nation's tax system favors the wealthy. We wouldn't want to add to that belief. Good Lord, no. The IG identified over 600,000 taxpayers who had a balance due as of uh, May a couple years ago. They reported adjusted gross income, your AGI, of 200,000 or more, owned a combined total of $38.5 billion. Balance dues. These people would have high balance dues. They are not prioritized by incomes earned. And some improvements could be made to prioritize high-income taxpayers more effectively, according to that, Inspector General. But wait, there's more. The U.S. program responsible for detecting and responding to threats of bioterrorism lacks detection equipment in more than half the country and was unable to spot multiple biological agents which were possible threats, according to the Department of Homeland Security's Inspector General. If the country does not improve the program called BioWatch, not Baywatch, Biowatch. If it was Baywatch, you'd bet they'd have it all together. Change the name and the uniform. Without improving that program, the United States' ability to prepare, detect, and respond to a potential bioterrorism attack is impeded, which could result in significant loss of human life, according to the IG. Biowatch program was formed under the George W. Bush administration, after the anthrax attacks, Biowatch claims to operate a nationwide aerosol detection system. The IG said it does not operate a nationwide early warning system. It has equipment to det- detect bioterrorism agents in 22 of 50 states, leaving 56% of the U.S. without coverage. I'm betting that includes the Dakotas, but I don't know. The chief investigator responsible for reviewing the Justice Department's implementation of its zero-tolerance policy at the border, that was the one that required the separation of children from their parents during the Trump administration, that investigator put in stark terms the failures outlined in a recent Inspector General report of the Trump administration as it separated migrant families. There was a, quote, there was a challenge and a problem with reunifying children with the adults, said DOJ Inspector General Michael Horowitz. In fact, he says, nothing changed, and so there were no efforts to respond to it, as we found at the department. There were discussions, but there weren't steps taken. The policy remained in place. The separations continued to occur. Investigators determined the federal government was unprepared to track families as they were separated, so failing to collect the information needed to eventually reunify them. Whose kid are you? What? To date, upwards of 500 families remain separated as a result of the policy, according to estimates provided in court records. One more. One more, Inspector. One more, General. Is the Inspector General a general or an inspector? U.S. Postal Service investigators found no evidence to support a Pennsylvania postal worker's claim that his supervisors had tampered with mail-in ballots, according to... To an Inspector General report, those allegations, of course, were cited by top Republicans to press claims of election fraud, which turned out to be Richard Hopkins, a mail carrier in Erie. This is Erie already alleged in November that he overheard the local postmaster discussing plans to backdate ballots received after November three and pass them off to election officials as legitimate. Working with a non that works to expose what it says is bias in mainstream media, Hopkins publicly released a sworn affidavit that recounted these allegations. And that got cited by Lindsey Graham. It got cited by Lindsey Graham and scores of other Republican congressional officials who refused to accept the outcome of the election for weeks. G- Attorney General Barr at that time authorized federal prosecutors to open investigations into credible allegations of irregularities. But Hopkins soon recanted. That was the word from the Postal Service's inspector general. The new investigation confirmed that. In an interview with federal agents, Hopkins, quote, revised his initial claims, eventually stating that he had not heard a person with knowledge of the situation saying what he had originally claimed is all. That's all. News of Inspectors General. Ladies and gentlemen, it continues to be, despite all attempts at the, at the uh, contrary, it continues to be a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And now, takes them a while to get their embouchure together. That's the News of the Olympic Movement. Produced by Jim Ebersole, the third <laughs> Guests, including partners of International Olympic Committee members, will not be able to attend Tokyo 20 in Tokyo... Tw- 2020 in Tokyo 2021... The organization decided to limit accreditation to those who have, quote, essential and operational goals at the Games. The IOC executive board said it would also axe or significantly reduce, significantly reduce the guest program and invitations to Olympic athlete legends as part of its attempts to limit the number of people at the event because of coronavirus concerns. Of course, those legends would be ex-athletes who have Commercial sponsorship deals. Accompanying guests in any category will not be granted an accreditation to the Games. Invitees from organizations such as the UN will be limited. The IOC claims these measures will significantly reduce the number of accredited people at the Games. A number of other initiatives typically run by the IOC, including the Observer Program for future hosts, will also be restricted IOC members will be able to attend the games as they're playing an essential and operational role. Yeah, we saw that in London, where the games lanes uh, reserved for IOC members from central London to uh, east London, where the games were held. Those lanes were almost totally unoccupied by vehicles. Maybe they walked out there. Doubtful. Quote, when I watch the torch relay elsewhere in Japan, people tend to gather and those places get crowded, said Mayor Ichiro Matsui. It's very unfortunate, he says, but I think we should call it off. That is the governor of Japan's western Osaka Prefecture and mayor of Osaka. They've called for the cancellation of the torch relay in its largest city amid concerns over rising coronavirus cases. Osaka Prefecture and two others have been selected to come under strict new measures to curb COVID infections. The new rules go into force on Monday. Mayor Matsui said it's very unfortunate. I think we should call it off. The governor of Osaka, I think the torch relay through the middle of Osaka should be canceled. There was conclusion over whether the relay in Osaka was officially off. Tokyo organizers quickly said that was not the case. And the decision had not yet been made. The relay kicked off in fook last week. Speaking of which, for many Japanese celebrities, the risks of taking part in the Olympic torch relay may appear to be outweighing the benefits. Many pouring cold water on the traditional pre-Olympics celebration. Many have politely declined. These are Japanese celebrities. You've never heard of them. Citing scheduling conflicts. Others have said they want to avoid crowds. But it may just be that the Tokyo Olympics brand has been irreparably tainted by sexism. You may recall um, the former uh, head of the committee resigned after saying women talk too much in meetings. So um, the um, brand may have been irreparably, as I say, tainted by sexism and budget scandals as well as the possible coronavirus downsides. Japanese comedian, here's one. Atsushi Tamura withdrew last month after then organizing committee president Mori, that's the one who resigned, suggested the games be held regardless of the pandemic and that celebrities should run through rice paddies to avoid spectators. As I say, he was then forced to resign over the sexist remarks. Tomorrow was scheduled to run a relay segment in Aichi Prefecture. It's one of some 10,000 torchbearers. They were expecting 600 prominent personalities to join the 10,000 members of the public. Later revealed, Rio Olympic judo champion Haruko Tachimoto and teenage shogi sensation Soto Fuji, who is who was supposed to carry the flame in Aichi both withdrew last year. Japan international rugby star Yu Tamura, pop rock idol band Tokyo, singer Hiroshi Itsuki and actress Ryoko Hirosue have all canceled over, quote, scheduling issues. Those damn schedules, they'll get you every time. Actress Hitomi Kuroki pulled out over crowd concerns. Paralympic swimmer Rina Akiyama withdrew earlier this month saying she had doubts about the risks of holding the games during a pandemic. She said celebrities should drop out, no, Tamura, the rugby star, said celebrities should drop out of the torch relay if there is no need for crowd pullers nudging Japanese stars to be proactive in their decision about whether to contribute. And... Many fans living outside Japan who bought Tokyo Olympics tickets from brokers called authorized ticket resellers will not get full refunds, and they might have a long wait to get any refunds at all. The question of refunds came into play a week ago when local organizers and the Japanese government decided to bar most fans from abroad. There are dozens of authorized ticket resellers. They're typically appointed by national Olympic committees. They're allowed to charge a 20% handling fee on tickets. CoSport, the ATR for the United States and other territories and countries, said in a letter to ticket holders it would not refund the handling fee because we handled. We didn't handle your tickets, but we handled your lack of tickets. It said it would refund the face value of the ticket and the shipping fees. The letter said CoSport and other Olympic entities encouraged the Japanese government and organizers to refund all costs incurred by international spectators. Tokyo organizers say they'll refund the face values but not responsible for other added charges. CoSport said it wouldn't receive ref- refunds from the organizers until the third quarter of this year, couldn't start paying refunds until then. But it asked purchasers to apply for refunds almost immediately, setting a deadline of April 9. Failure to meet this deadline will jeopardize your refund, the letter said. In addition, by applying for a refund, customers might in effect be releasing CoSport from any further claims this would keep ticket holders from taking further legal action about those handling fees why would refund why would we refund your handling fees it's a the olympics it's a movement and we all need one every day
2: to his face if you were faced with him what would you ask if, if you only had one question oh yes god is great. one of us, just a stranger on the bus, trying to find his way home. What if God was one of us, just a slot like one of us, just a stranger on the bus, trying to make his way home. Would it look like What you want to see Seeing meant that you would have to believe In things like Heaven and in Jesus The saints and all the prophets Oh yes God is great Oh yes God is good Oh yes God is great God is good What if God one of us. Just a slob like one of us Just a stranger on the bus Trying to make his way home What if God was one of us Just a slob like one of us Just a stranger on the bus Trying to find his way home That is but what if he was one of us?
0: from lost <laughs> from New Orleans. This is Lashoa now, ladies and gentlemen. Time for me to read the trades for you. What brands can learn from a YouTube star's fall from grace? I'll read it for you. Save you the trouble.
3: You're
0: you're, you're busy. Your own stuff. This is from Advertising Edge. The trust between brands and influencers has always been fragile. According to a 2019 study, 61% of U.S. marketers had difficulty finding the right influencers for their campaigns. One in four claimed brand safety was a main challenge. Brand safety continues as a high concern, propelled by cancel culture and influencers catering to what many call the attention economy. Now the David Dobrik debacle has a potential potential to erode the progress influencer marketers have been able to make. 24-year-old Dobrik, known for pranks that have garnered 26 million TikTok followers and 18 million YouTube followers, has created plenty of videos that come across as questionable and problematic. In February, a member of his group came forth stating a prank he was involved in was actually sexual assault. In several videos, consent is positioned as, this is something to joke about. Despite this, brands largely saw Dobrik as a wholesome and harmless entertainer. He was placed as a judge on a Nickelodeon show, won two Kids' Choice Awards, partnered with Chipotle around his own burrito, I think that's literal. And a contest giving away $10,000. However, an investigation shattered his sterling reputation amongst the brands. Sources in the report alleged Dobrik was engaged in violent and illegal acts around a 2018 YouTube video in which a young woman is seen mingling with him and his squad. One member of the squad describes having sex with one of the women. That woman told the Insider the incident was actually rape while she was incapacitated with alcohol. Very quickly, brands including Dollar Shave Club, DoorDash, EA Sports, and HelloFresh were cutting ties with the influencer. Last week, South by Southwest pulled a panel featuring him called How to Build a More Authentic Online Community. He then announced he would step down from the board of the photo-sharing app he co-founded. And um, an investing fund, 776, said it would Donate its profits from an invest, its investment in, dip, in uh, Dobrik's operation to those working with survivors of sexual assault. Quote, YouTube didn't set out to condition creators to act crazy, but as it moved from click-through to watch time, naturally that led storytellers using the medium to lure viewers. Then keep them watching by promising ever more outlandish tricks, pranks, and other crimes and misdemeanors, says Ash Khan. Carvass Frushan, CEO at a U- YouTube-based media brand, WatchMojo. Claire Atkin, co-founder of Brand Safety Consultancy, Check My Ads, says Dobrik's calamity will be a serious case study in future brand safety training sessions with advertisers. Advertisers are going to be concerned, she says. They're already paying attention to influencers as a brand safety risk. Even a thorough vetting process doesn't remove the possibility of a bombshell like this. What may be a great collaboration today could fall apart tomorrow. Influencer agencies. Yes, that's a thing. Typically vet influencers provide content checks and require influencers to adhere to ethics codes. Several give marketers, quote, brand safety guarantees where the agency promises to take down content within a window of time if an influencer violates the rules social platforms have also increasingly granted more control to advertisers when it comes to regulating influencer campaign content why that censorship last november instagram gave advertisers the ability to approve and post influencer branded content previously a privilege granted only to influencers. Still, experts say more needs to be done. Agencies that have not done enough to educate both the brand and the influencer on how to ensure the brand's values are clear and the influencer represents those values, said a VP of Product, a data ad services company, INMAR Intelligence. Finding the right brand or influencer, fit, goes beyond using influencer discovery software there is that, that's a thing, and requires deeper understanding of what an influencer stands for. Unquote. While an incident might be impossible to predict, experts say to make sure brands have contingency plans in place, such as having brand safety guidelines that everyone adheres to. If brands are not already, they should include morality clauses or morals clauses, says one. They, says the founder of the American Influencer Council. And yes, that's a thing. Of course, even when a brand bows out of a deal because of a morality clause, often the damage is already done. And the only thing for a brand to do is dissociate from the influencer as quickly as possible says the president of an ad agency adding influencer agencies have helped because quote they've introduced these essential business practices to the influencer world he also warns brands or agencies against viewing deals with influencers in the same light as ones with celebrities quote influencers don't generally have the type of guidance or career maturity available to them to know the very real consequences of participating in controversial behavior. You almost feel sorry for the influencers, don't you? I said almost. Something that almost happens when I read the trades for you. Copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Now news of the smart world. It's a very, 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 very smart world, ladies and gentlemen, that you and I live in every day. And that's our choice. A team led by computer scientists from MIT examined 10 of the most cited sets of data used to test machine learning systems. This is how artificial intelligence works, I think, if you heard my discussion with Gary Marcus a year ago on the subject, you know that that's basi- the basic way this stuff works is you show a machine a bunch of images or a bunch of words, a million of them, and the million, the first time you show it to the machine, it goes, that's a dog. If you've shown them dogs, of course. So those are the, the way you test machine. They found, the team from MIT found that about 3.4% of the data was inaccurate or mislabeled which could cause problems in AI systems that use these data sets. They've each been cited more than 100,000 times. They include text-based ones from newsgroups, Amazon, and IMDb. Errors emerge from issues like Amazon product reviews being mislabeled as positive when they were actually negative, and vice versa, to be fair. Some of the image-based errors result from mixing up animal species. (laughs) Others arose from mislabeling photos with less prominent objects. Quote, Water bottle, unquote, instead of the mountain bike it's attached to, for instance, one particularly galling example that emerged was a baby being confused with a nipple. I don't write them. I just read them. One of the data sets centers around audio from YouTube videos. A clip of a YouTuber talking to the camera for three and a half minutes was labeled as church bell even though one could be heard only in the last 30 seconds or so. Another error emerged from a misclassification of a Bruce Springsteen performance as an orchestra. Any machine that believes that should be just, just pull the plug. Just, you know, they still have to run on electricity. Just yank it. To find possible errors, the researchers used a framework called confident learning, which examines data sets for label noise or irrelevant data. They, uh, Validated the possible mistakes using something called Mechanical Turk. This is from Engadget, so they know what this stuff is. And found around 54% of the data that the algorithm flagged had incorrect labels. Some of the errors are relatively minor. Others appear to be the case of splitting hairs. A close-up of a Mac. Command key, labeled as a computer keyboard, is still arguably correct. Sometimes the confident learning approach got it wrong, too, like infusing a correctly labeled image of tuning forks for a menorah if the labels are even a little off that could lead to huge ramifications for for machine learning systems i'm not to say but my data sets were wrong and excuse me for that won't you i think that's the proper context for the apologies of the week
2: Sorry.
0: Sorry, sorry, sorry. All right, that's three sorries. That's my cue. Mad Lorian, a 17-year-old TikTok influencer, there's that word again, known for promoting cryptocurrencies online, has released a new video apologizing for a Star Wars-themed scam he promoted. Last week, he sang the praises of a new cryptocurrency called Mando that turned out to be a pump-and-dump scam. According to Gizmodo, Lorian says he had no idea it was a fraud. The scammers, the developers pretty much scammed everyone, including me, he said. Some of you guys invested in Mando and also myself. I had 10000 invested. All of it is gone now, he continued. Website for the Mando cryptocurrency was registered a week ago and featured plenty of images from the hit Disney show, The Mandalorian, images used without permission. So to make sure something like this doesn't happen again, my management team is going to get in contact with every single developer before I promote a cryptocurrency, Lorian said in his apology video. Yes, a 17-year-old with a management team the kids, kids today. YouTube makeup artist James Charles is apologizing for sending inappropriate messages to minors. He, in uh, 2016, became the first male cover girl. Spoke out in an almost 15-minute video titled Holding Myself Accountable. I said holding myself accountable. Addressing recent allegations from minors saying he sent them inappropriate photos and messages on Snapchat. Charles apologized, acknowledged the flirtatious messages, and stated that he initially believed the minors were of age. These conversations should never have happened, point blank, period, the 21-year-old said in the video. There's no excuse for it, there are no ifs, ands, or buts, and I take full responsibility for that. To the guys involved in this situation, I want to say I'm sorry, I'm sorry that I flirted with you, and I'm really sorry if I ever made you uncomfortable. It is completely unacceptable. He said his reckless behavior was rooted from a place of desperation in wanting a relationship. Unquote. Dateline Montpelier, Vermont. Legislators in the Vermont House have unanimously supported a resolution apologizing to all Vermonters and their families and descendants who were harmed by state-sanctioned eugenics policies and practices that led to involuntary sterilizations. Under the eugenics movement, some Vermonters of mixed French-Canadian and Native American heritage, as well as poor rural white people, were placed on a state-sanctioned list of, quote, mental defectives, unquote, and degenerates, and sent to state institutions. Some had surgery after Vermont in 1931 became one of more than two dozen states to pass a new law allowing voluntary (laughs) sterilizations for, quote, human betterment unquote by apologizing now we're saying that policies we undertake in the future including many bills we've considered already this session will be considered in the spirit of correcting these harms they pass it to the apology followed years of effort and uh, the apology now goes to the Senate for consideration in Vermont Harvard Harvard apologizes again another Harvard apology ladies and gentlemen Health Services Director Jiang Nguyen apologized this week for what he called insensitive and appropriate content posted on a counseling and mental health services anti-Asian racism resources web page, including telling students, quote, you may wish you weren't Asian. Some of the now-deleted tips intended to help students, uh, help students cope with the recent rise in anti-Asian racism and attacks reads, When you experience racism, you can feel shame. You may wish you weren't Asian, but remember, your ancestors likely went through similar or even worse incidents. Students and other Harvard affiliates criticized the page, saying it placed the burden on Asian Americans to cope with the racist attacks. It was uh, originally posted in spring of last year. Most of the page was deleted, leaving only links to resources collected by organizations outside Harvard. The page is now topped with a statement from Nguyen that apologizes for causing distress to readers of the page. He added, the health service at Harvard will work diligently to ensure that this never happens again. But watch for other more interesting mistakes. No, he didn't. Dayline Carrollton, Texas, and North Texas superintendents apologizing for the hurt caused to Asian Americans by a racial and racist, possibly, question on a middle school social study quiz. Apology came after an apology was not included in a statement from the uh, school district about the suspensions of three teachers. The uh, multiple choice question on a sixth grader's exam asked... Students at a school. Which one of these Chinese norms is true? It was followed by answers referring to manners in a restaurant, punishment for children, and eating certain animals. So then the superintendent apologized with uh, little little um, little pieces of dog meat on his. F- no, he. Dayline: San Antonio, Arizona's in the first women's final four of the NCAA basketball tournament. The Wildcats were feeling left out, though, when they didn't appear in a promotional video for the event that the NCAA posted on Twitter this week. The video showed clips from South Carolina, Stanford, Stanford and UConn from Wednesday's photo shoots of the four teams. But no one from Arizona was in the video. I rewatched it a couple of times, said Arizona senior guard, Ari McDonald. It was frustrating. I definitely took it as a sign of respect. The NCAA said it didn't intend to omit the Wildcats when staff realized the error of the video was deleted from Twitter and they apologized to the school. Amazon this week apologized for a tweet last week denying claims from some Amazon workers that they worked so hard, were forced to work so hard, that they had to urinate in plastic bottles instead of going to the restroom. Or as we call it in the adult world, the bathroom, the toilet, or the toilet. The tweet from the Amazon news account came in response to a post from a Congressperson who commented in claims of a progressive workplace from Amazon's Dave Clark. Paying workers $15 an hour doesn't make you a progressive workplace when you union bust and make workers urinate in water bottles. The Congressperson said. Amazon pushed back in its own tweet, writing, "Tweet, writing. You don't really believe the peeing in bottles thing, do you?" If that were true, nobody would work for us, the Amazon account said. Amazon apologized this past Friday for its response, writing, That was an own goal. We're unhappy about it, and we owe an apology to the congressman. First, the tweet was incorrect. It did not contemplate our large driver population, the company noted. If any employee in a fulfillment center has such an experience, we encourage them to speak to their manager and we'll work to fix it. Also, Amazon said the tweet did not receive the proper scrutiny, recognizing the need to hold ourselves to an extremely high accuracy bar at all times, and that's especially so when we're criticizing the comments of others. The corporation admitted Amazon drivers especially may have trouble finding restrooms because of traffic or sometimes rural routes, and this has been especially the case during COVID. Regardless of the fact this is industry-wide, we would like to solve it. We don't yet know how. It's Amazon. They're supposed to be the, the smartest. The, the apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Copyrighted feature of this broadcast. June despite a reduction in the total amounts of pesticides used the toxicity of commonly used pesticides to non-target species like uh, aquatic invertebrates and pollinators has increased considerably in recent decades according to a new study analyzing 25 years of pesticide use driven by the widespread use of highly toxic pyrethroid and neonicotinoid pesticides. The findings challenge claims suggesting the overall environmental impacts of pesticide use have declined. The impacts of pesticides on humans and the environment are often based on comparison of use rates or total amounts used, but from an environmental perspective, they fail to account for the specific toxicity of applied pesticides. Fewer pesticides are being used today. The types and their toxicity have changed considerably. So... um, You have now the problems we've been discussing with bees, but not just the bees, the birds. Hummingbirds need an incredible amount of energy to flap their wings 50 times per second to maintain hovering flight. Their metabolism is so supercharged if they were human size, they would consume energy at a rate more than 10 times that of an Olympic marathon runner. But a new University of Toronto study has found that a common agricultural pesticide, you'll recognize it, might be slowing down the crucial physiological process that makes hummingbirds unique. Researchers at the University of Toronto, Toronto discovered that a common insecticide, a nicotinoid, can slow the metabolism of ruby-throated hummingbirds by as much as 25% in the hours after exposure. Quote, we don't know exactly why it goes down, whether the chemical is disrupting the metabolic processes or because they simply feel sick, but they definitely show a reduced rate, metabolic rate during the first few hours after injecting. Ingesting, they don't inject, they ingest the neonicotinoid. Hummingbirds may be especially prone to the negative effects of exposure because they encounter the pesticides in a number of different Ways, including through spraying, eating contaminated insects, and especially drinking the contaminated nectar of sprayed plants. We win again, ladies and gentlemen. We, the humans. We are the humans, Army. Well, that's going to put the packing tape on this edition of the show, returns next week at the same time over the same radio stations and on your audio device of choice whenever you want it. And it'd be just like not being a hummingbird. If you'd agree to join with me, would you? Already, thank you very much. Uh-huh. A tip of the Show Chapeau to the San Diego desk, to Pam Halstead and to Thomas Walsh here at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's broadcasts. For this program, the playlist of the music heard here on your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts all at HarryShear.com and on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WNO New Orleans flagship station of the Change Is Easy Radio Network. So long from the Crescent City.